Oh, I would love to share some more ideas about how to create the love of your life, what I call soul-satisfying love. And to kind of to start, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, kind of the, the process and the principles that are taught in conventional marriage therapy or uh, coaching or relationship enhancement kind of workshops, which, by the way, I did for a number of years as a marriage and family therapist prior to expanding into uh, spiritual life and relationship coaching and and spiritual life and relationship energy healing that I do now. Basically, the the five principles that you'll get any other way when you talk to a marriage therapist or go to a marriage seminar is learn how to communicate, learn how to listen, and especially learning how to communicate about problems, um, how to cope with strong negative emotions, and spend time together. And that's kind of it. And that has its place. I'm not saying those aren't solid foundational principles. What I have found is to go beyond that, to create the love that satisfies our soul, that makes our heart sing, that makes us wake up in the morning with so much joy and gratitude that we get to wake up to this beloved person's face every morning. Um, They don't go deep enough. So the first tip, the first principle I would share is really a different understanding about what marriage is. You know, Marnie, I would ask you what you think most people think marriage is. Well, I hear a lot of the term partnership and the people that I've interviewed, a lifetime relationship, a commitment, a covenant. Okay. Well, those are similar Some of those things that you shared are similar ideas. You know, in the conventional mainstream world in particular, marriage is viewed as a contract, like a business contract, an arrangement. Uh, If a person and their spouse are married in a civil ceremony and in many cases in a religious ceremony, it's an exchange. I do this and you do that. That's a contract kind of idea. Um, to get more into what marriage really is, it means we go beyond the idea of a contract to the idea of marriage being two things, a sacred bond grounded in a sacred lasting promise a sacred bond grounded in sacred lasting promise. This kind of promise, in fact, was anciently referred to, as you mentioned, the word covenant. That's, that's what a marriage really is. And when we remember and realize that, that we're not just creating another ordinary relationship or friendship. So what that implies is respecting and nurturing and protecting the bond between you first. So your bond must come first. And the mistakes and wounds that hurt a marriage the most and that are the most injurious 
and difficult to overcome are injuries to the bond. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's why, for instance, infidelity is such an injurious wound because it's an injury, it's a violation of the bond. That makes so, sense. So the very first secret I teach people in my Five six Secrets to Soul Satisfying Love article series that's available on my website is that principle keeping in mind that your marriage is a sacred bond and when we do that we invoke an entirely new level of connection and commitment between us it's in this new level of connection and commitment that we have access then to sacred power for good that we can access no other way so that's the first principle and secret, and it's a, it's a mind shift, and it's a it's a it's a deepening of our understanding, and especially in the era where we are living in now, where we have going on three generations of people where divorce has become increasingly commonplace, and now third generations of children are being raised in families that have an immediate history of divorce. This creates, this re-sacralizes marriage, meaning it makes it sacred again. Second secret that I would share is that there is an unseen love triangle that strengthens your marriage. Um, You know, obviously, outside relationships uh, of an intimate nature uh, or love triangles, as they're commonly called in the common parlance, are harmful to marriages. Uh, But there is a love triangle that will strengthen your marriage. And this blessing, unseen love triangle is available to everybody and unseen, though not unperceived, to others outside of your marriage. And miracles of growth, healing, and power for accomplishing good in and through your marriage begin to happen when we recognize and begin including this specific third participant in our relationships. And it may come as no surprise to you um, when I share that this is a person, a being that we can both of us Uh, that sees both of us as we really are, believes in you both and the potential that you have individually and in your marriage, and knows the deeper reasons that we have come together. Because there's always deeper reasons. There's always reasons beyond our conscious awareness that bring us together as a couple and bring us together in a family group. And what the agreements that you and your spouse have made to do So perhaps you've guessed already, but this special third participant in your marriage is the divine. And by whatever term we may think of the divine, God, Heavenly Father, whatever term that may be, um, when we bring this partnership into our marriage and include a direct connection with God, we create an exponentially strengthened 
foundation for our marriage. Um, when we reach up to God together, particularly as equals, as partners in the relationship, and that may or may not mean through um, religious means or religious structures, but when we access and we go to God as partners, we bring in divine power. And there's a really practical time and benefit to this, especially in times of challenge, okay? Because when there's a challenge in a family or a challenge in a marriage, and one or both partners goes to God and strengthens that partnership and looks to God for answers and guidance and direction and support and power, and in many cases healing, it infuses the marriage and it lifts that partner up and as we are lifted up individually, we raise our marriage up. We grow. We grow emotionally and we grow spiritually. And that is how marriages are transformed. And that is how we grow into the fullness of the purpose for our marriage. So the second secret is to um, cultivate that, to seek for that connection, to seek for that presence in your life and to cultivate it. And whether or not your spouse does it or not, you know, one of the, the secrets to this is that whether or not your spouse does it or not, you can. You know, for the first seven years of our marriage, my husband was not a member of the same church that I am a member of. And many people in our church would, uh, many women in particular in that circumstance, and, and I knew that at the time that we got married. In fact, at the time we got married, I was more than okay with that. I was grateful for that, in fact. Um, as we moved forward in our marriage, um, I came to a point where I felt that it would be a blessing for Larry and it would be a blessing for our whole entire family for him to have certain blessings that are available through membership in this church and um, I ev evoked this principle without any sort of confrontations or lectures or ultimatums or deadlines or anything with him I just went to God <laughs> And within about two and a half years, my husband had joined the church. Um, so it's a profoundly, profoundly powerful foundation to build a marriage on. So that would be my second tip. And the last one that I would just share is something about how we see each other. You know, when we are in the dating stage. We see the best in one another. And then, for many people, after we get married, that can kind of shift. Um, because in every situation, every person, and every relationship, there is both beauty and that which is not so beautiful. In every person, including ourselves and our spouses, there is both that which is lovable and that which is not. And, well, why is that? That's because we live in a world of contrast or opposites. 
in order to have the laboratory for the process of becoming. So, and once we get married, there are biochemical changes literally that happen in our bodies that um, bring into sharper focus seeing those less than ideal things in our in our spouses. So the third secret captures the power in this truth that there is both light and dark, um, a shadow and sun, okay, and and uses it to serve our marriage. And we do this when we consciously choose to see each other through love's eyes and lift each other up. The Quakers have a saying um, that I absolutely love. I believe it was Michael Fox who said this originally, which is, speak to that of God within. So you speak to the other person. You speak to that of God within the other person. And that implies that we have to be connected to that of God within ourselves to be able to do that. And part of how we do that, fundamentally and profoundly part of how we do that, is we see, we elevate, we recognize, we bring forth into the light, we honor, we talk about, we think about that which we love and appreciate in the other person. We see each other through God's eyes. We see each other through love's eyes. And when we do, we raise each other up. And that's another way our marriage grows. And that helps us keep the excitement, the love, the friendship, the romance alive when we see each other through love's eyes. So there's three um, simple tips. There are a couple of more that are available through this five-part article series that I've mentioned, including what I believe is the number one secret to creating the full, satisfying love of your life. And it's available as my gift to anyone who would like to receive it. All they need to do is go to the sophiawomensinstitute.com and request it by filling out the form. So I would love to share that with any of those who are participating with us today. Cool. I'm going to go get a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I welcome you having it, Marnie. I think you'd really, really enjoy it. Yeah. I like yeah. that last one because I've noticed that, you know, as you, well, we've been married, I don't know, a couple months now. You're newlyweds. Uh, yeah, so I'm fun. a newlywed. <laughs> Yeah. It's, I've noticed that. It's interesting. You said it's it's biological and chemical where you start to see the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it was like that, but I've, I've noticed myself start to do that, and instead of getting irritated or something like that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of fascinating. That's an interesting uh, balance to to who he is, you know, and um, and I guess I'm trying to look at it through love's eyes. I didn't really verbalize it that way, but that's what I've been doing. And not that he's getting major flaws, but I mean, it might be some little idiosyncrasy or something, and I'm like, well, that's kind of cute. That's kind of fascinating. All right, yeah. yeah. I, know. I know, and you know, I know where it comes from. It comes from through sexual intimacy, um, the biochemical process. Really, creation of sexual intimacy. Yes, yeah. re- makes these changes in our bodies. So you see, there is a. It's it's not just about puritanical, outmoded, old-fashioned mores about why it really is wise. It really is preferred it really is optimal to save intimacy for after marriage 
because it's the marriage that creates the safety to do this inner work. Because before we're married, you know, we see each other, we see what's best, we see what we love, we've fallen in love with this person, and we're on our Sunday school best behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, (laughs) we could talk a long, long more, a lot more time about all this, Marnie, but I welcome you and everyone else to go get that article series. I think you'll really, really enjoy it and um, find some deep insights and some practical tools. So, you're Hmm. welcome to it. I was thinking somebody with different moral backgrounds than us might say, see, I should have sex with them now so I can see their flaws. <laughs> they might go the other way with that. <laughs> so that probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> well, you know, I guess, I, I, I don't know, I'd have to think about how to respond to that. Um, um, yeah, but I can see what you would say. There is no greater pain, there is no greater pain than to have more, and the other thing about what sexual intimacy does, besides creating babies, besides being a whole hell of a lot of fun, is it's bonding. Mm-hmm. And that's its intention. That's the godly purpose for it. It's bonding. If you have more bonding, then you have commitment. And this, I think, would be my response to someone who would say, well, that's why I should flip <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the order here. Okay, if you have more bonding than you have commitment, you have a recipe for heartache and soul pain like none other I know of. And ask any young girl who had sex with her boyfriend and then they broke up. Ask any 15, 16, 14-year-old girl the soul pain. I've sat with them. I have seen it. I've helped them heal from it. And I can tell you, it is it is searing. It is searing. So yeah. I think that's... The, and it's especially so for women. Mm-hmm. It is especially so for women. It's Sex is bonding for both men and women, especially so for women. Yeah. Yeah, you can't flip the order on that one. It really does mess you up, I think. Yeah. And and it creates attachment problems. Um, anyway, that that's a, that's a topic for another call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wanted to pull that because I thought just in case somebody's thinking that, I'm going to say it because I want to. I want you to address that. So <laughs> I'm really glad you did, so that I have the yeah. opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Give them the URL again. Yes, the URL is uh, the Sophia. Women's Institute, and Sophia is spelled S-O-P-H-I-A, and then Women's, W-O-M-E-N-S, Institute, I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot com. And it's the Five Secrets to Soul Satisfying Love article series. There's uh, There's a request box on the homepage and other places in the website. 